8.02 on a Tuesday. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. The all Bo Horvat all the time show. We've talked about nothing else. I have shown great, great resolve to not dive into the January transfer window. I think I deserve a pat on the back. I told that to Drance. That's all you'll be talking to him about, so he's prepared. The Enzo Fernandez transfer hanging in the balance. Where will he end up? Anyway, I digress. Uh, Hour three of the program brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them at campbell-pound.com today. He's going to say the quiet part out loud about Kintec now. (laughs) See what I did there? Halford's been saying that phrase a lot. That's that's his uh, phrase of the day. The quiet part out loud. We're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over fifteen hundred five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. To the phone lines we go. Thomas Drance, the Athletic Vancouver Canucks talk right here on Sportsnet six fifty. He joins the program. What up, Drancer? Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning to you. So there's like no shortage of things to talk about here, even though it's just a singular trade and it's only one player leaving town. We have spent the better part of two hours talking about this in every way, shape and form. But you know what our biggest takeaway was, to be honest, it was thank God they did something like I know that there's a lot to process about the pick and the prospect and Beauvillier, all this stuff. But at the end of the day, when it's this dysfunctional and this big a tire fire and this disappointing a season and the president of hockey ops is calling for major surgery, it's very refreshing when the scalpel gets whipped out. That's where Jason and I are at with this. <laughs> yeah, and no one, no one ever said major surgery wasn't invasive. Um, this, was a, this was the sort of deal I think the Canucks fans have been clamoring to see their team make more of. Right? I mean... This was such a future-oriented return, even though it was attached to a pretty significant non-expiring salary in the commitment the Canucks are taking back to Anthony Beauvillier. You know, getting a first with some upside to it, right? Not 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 like a strong first-round pick. Not not a late first-round pick. This is a pick that could be a a strong middle-of-the-pack first-round pick, and hey, has a shot to be even more than that in the event that it rolls over to next year and a 20 year old center who the team doesn't seem like they're even going to start in the NHL. You know, these are future forward pieces. This is a future forward emphasis on the trade. And I think Canucks fans are so relieved to see a trade of that sort that, and, and, and you know what, I'd add this as well. So desperate for good news that, you know, I've, I've been a little surprised because, you know, in the headline of, of a piece, which is actually mostly pretty positive about the trade, I think, over at The Athletic, um, you know, it's, it's the, the word underwhelming ends up in the headline. Like, the return's underwhelming, but at least it looks to the future is, is sort of the headline. And the comments, people are furious. People are like, what are you talking about? This is great. Yeah. And I think that just sort of speaks to how relieved Canucks fans are to see this deal really look forward and for the first time in a long time, for the first time really in this regime's tenure, uh, prioritize sort of the long-term health of this organization as opposed to the present. Um, you know, if, if this team can make this kind of move, have this kind of emphasis in every move they make, 
for a couple of years here, you know, there, there's a chance we could get to watch some meaningful hockey again in this city. So I understand why people are excited, but um, you know, I, I do think it's a pretty complicated one to break down in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, I don't, I don't see the value as like a grand slam necessarily for the Canucks. What did you think about Alvin's comments about naming a new captain? Because they seem to suggest that it's going to be either Petey or Hughes. And the comments also seem to suggest that a decision would be made pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, interesting for sure. The, you know, my view of it anyway, my view of it anyway is that, you know, I'm sure Elias Pettersson would be this team's first choice to be their next captain. And, you know, I I sort of thought about the fact that they kind of hedged on that. Uh, To me, sort of my read on it anyway would be perhaps that's part of what the discussion is, the face of the franchise discussion that you sit down and have with Elias Pettersson after this season. He's eligible for an extension. You know, you have the captaincy to sort of wield in discussing the nature of his relationship with this franchise and what that looks like going forward and what your plans are and, and, you know, the whole thing. And I'm not sort of talking about the captaincy as like part of the sell job or like an asset that you deploy in talking to Pedersen about staying so much as it's a wide ranging conversation uh, with a key player about sort of the personal services contract that you're hoping he'll sign to remain Mm -hmm. and what that looks like, what his role is, what the team's plan is. You know, to me, bringing up more than Pedersen almost feels like a hedge in case those talks go a certain way, right? Oh, well, we have another really good option. But it feels like it feels like it should be Pedersen's letter just based off of, you know, everything we know about this franchise and those personalities and where this all goes. Drance, you're in the room and you talk to these guys. Does Pedersen strike you as captain material? Because the one thing that we've been talking about um, is that you have to put these guys into a position to succeed. Um, and this whole organization has to be aligned. Like it was an issue with the coaching mm-hmm. staff and management. Hopefully it's not an issue going forward. The room has to be aligned now. And Pedersen is still a young guy. Um, it was only last season that he was really struggling psychologically too. Um, and now you're going to ask him potentially to be the main player spokesman for this team while also expecting him to be, you know, one of the elite players in the NHL. He's never struck me as this super gregarious guy that loves chatting with people. There have been a couple times where he's made comments like, I don't really want to create a headline by saying anything. Well, you know, yeah. that that to me just makes me think like I, I, I hope they I, I hope he if he if he gets the job, I hope he really wants it. Yeah, well I look, I think the fact is is that you know, I, I share your concern, but this team you know, I think, I would argue, has not been aggressive enough in empowering Pedersen internally and, and in terms of some of the s- symbolic stuff as they should have been. Like, he's, he's young, but he's 24 at this point, right? Like, what, this is season six for him, five for him? Like, he's been around at this point. He's a young vet at this point. He's not a pure young player this isn't a guy who's like pre-prime 
Yeah. He's smack dab in the middle of his prime. He's been around. He's basically where Horvat was when he was named captain. For sure. And, you know, we're also only like, what, eight months removed from the organization publicly saying things like we don't have an elite player. Uh, JT Miller's our best player. Um, you know, you look at usage uh, in the tail end of Travis Green and the fact that Pedersen wasn't like a hard match, top of the lineup guy. Uh, looks like Tockett might try to use him as, as sort of more in that role, too. Uh, it took Bruce Boudreaux coming in for him to kill penalties. It took Bruce Boudreaux coming in for him to be on the ice late in games, you know, as the Canucks tried to sort of uh, seal uh, a late win um, in, in games they were leading. Like, in a lot of ways, this team hasn't sort of run itself in a way that puts Pedersen out front and really empowers them and makes him, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, the guy – And, you know, I would suggest to you perhaps that that's maybe part of the issue in in terms of the alignment in the room, right? The the fact that there's been some debate, there's been some open sort of like some vacillation between multiple poles, right? The the more fiery personality of J.T. Miller versus Elias Pettersson. And I'm not saying uh, necessarily an adversarial thing. I don't want anyone to take that away, although I don't think that's an unfair read. Um, but I, I do think in a lot of ways you need to, when you have an elite young player and, and an elite two-way player, put them in situations where this becomes their team. And, you know, I saw that happen up close with a guy who ne- didn't necessarily have the personality that people thought, oh, that guy should be captain, that guy's a killer in, in Alexander Barkov. And I, I mean, Barkov's one of the great complete two-way players in this game. So it's a little bit different. Uh, he had a little bit of a more mature defensive skill set than just about anybody, not just Elias Pettersson. Yeah. That's not criticism. But, you know, I think it's important to put young players and push young players to step into that role too. And I don't know that the – like, I think the organization's hedged at just about every turn with Pettersson. Uh, and for me, anyway, that would be the bigger issue uh, than the than the is it too much too soon because I don't think it is based on – you know, this age and stage of his career, like how this organization, especially with this sort of core group as assembled, goes as far as Pedersen takes it. We've known that for a while, and yet this organization hasn't carried themselves or set things up internally to make that clear to everybody involved. Um, You know, I don't know that that's necessarily the right way to go about it either. Where does this all leave them with JT Miller, both from a leadership perspective and a positional perspective? Yeah, I mean, they better hope it's at center. And, you know, clearly not as a contender to be the captain of this team, which, you know, uh, I mean, it's tough, right? Like you, the organization signed him, $56 million, seven-year deal right before the season. And eight months on, he's not a potential captain in the wake of Bo Horvat's departure. And the organization's insisting he's a center and the market's not sure. I'd say that's pretty much, I think that speaks volumes about how this bet has worked out to this point. Right now, it's early, right? It's like you've got the under on 220 in a, in a basketball game, and it's a 70-point game in the first quarter. Like It's not like you've actually lost yet, but it's not looking good. Um for sure. And, and I think that's, you know, both on the leadership side and the positional side. Like, I think in both respects, there's a lot of questions now 
about how this organization moves forward. And, you know, I, I mean, I've been pretty consistent about this. Like, I don't think JT Miller's likely to give you full value at center. You know, you, you, I mean, I broke it down a couple of weeks ago, but you look at this season and everyone will say, well, he's just struggled a bit this season. Like it happens. And it's like, but he, but he hasn't. The problem is, is that he hasn't like his two way form and his production when he's been on the wing is consistent with the point per game driver type player that we've seen for much of his time in Vancouver. It's just that he's also got this sort of 250 minute sinkhole where he's played center and absolutely nothing has happened. The Canucks have never had the puck in those minutes. They've scored, I think something like five goals in 250 minutes now with him playing center. And that's, you know, like that's Jay Beagle stuff in terms of offensive production. And and you can't live with an $8 million player producing like that. So, you know, we'll see the organization is incentivized now to give him at least another 35 games to, to show them that, you know, he can be the guy he looked like at center down the, um, you know, down the stretch of the Bruce, there it is campaign. Uh, but I'm skeptical. I just think, I think he's a better fit for this team at wing. I think his skill set is, is plays far better there. I've gone over why a million times. Um, and, you know, I think, when you consider the Horvat trade, like what's the thing about the Horvat trade that really makes sense, right? It's that the team's looking further ahead and that these assets, you know, could help when this team realistically could be good again. And I think partly, you know, what, what this sort of shines a light on too is it's really too bad that the Canucks are only going to get to make one of these, right? Like there, there was a world where you could have made two or three depending on the, how the Kuzmenko situation turned out, of, of these types of deals. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're not looking at that first-round pick from the New York Islanders and being like, oh, man, it's really important where that lands. Yeah. If that's pick 25 versus pick 5 in 2024, like, that's a huge swing for this team. It's just like, hey, that's a nice asset to have, and wherever it goes, the club will net value. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the development of Atu Ratu, right, who a lot of people in the league – aren't sure he has the speed to necessarily stick at center. He's absolutely not viewed as a lock to stick at center, although the Canucks clearly do view him as a center. They also viewed JT Miller as a center eight months ago, so that's not like money I'm taking to the bank, boys. And so, you know, I'll, um, you know, instead of it being like, oh boy, Atu Ratu better hit as like at least a very good middle six center for this team, it would be like, hey, that's a nice piece, and we'll see where it goes. Like, it takes the pressure off all the pieces because you're, you're going with a volume approach, and this team's desperate, desperate for just more volume generally. And, you know, I think more than anything, the Horvat deal, the way it looks, uh, what it sets this club up to do, you know, it, it would be an awful lot more powerful if it had been done in concert with a more focused sort of effort to reset this team with the future in mind. And I, I think that's sort of one of the big takeaways coming out of yesterday. Drancer, what do you make of the chatter around Thatcher Demko right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't have a ton of hard intel on it, but he it feels like he's kind of just disappeared in mid-December. I know he skated with the team a couple times, but we haven't really seen it. Uh, his timeline's been extended, and this team's goaltending, you know, was bad before the season, and 
or sorry, was bad before his injury and has been bad since, and, which has sort of underscored his importance to this team. You know, more than anything, I just sort of think about Demko's evolution in terms of dealing with us and, you know, kind of stopped talking after losses, uh, sometimes wouldn't talk after wins. His availability has been inconsistent. And, and it didn't, like, he didn't seem to carry himself that way a couple years ago or when he first got the starter's job. It feels like something's changed there, uh, to me anyway. And sort of was it was evident down the stretch of last season and became really evident in the early part of this year. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have a 360-degree view of, of exactly what's going on, but I read a lot into the fact that his name is out there, uh, that there's a sense in the industry that that could happen. And that's one I think the Canucks have to be very, very careful about because, you know, we're only eight, nine months removed from a world where Thatcher Demko would have been like one of the most valuable (laughs) assets on the trade market. And right now, I mean, truly, truly, like, I don't know that they would have said yes, but they would have thought about it. If you'd called New Jersey in Montreal at the draft last year and and asked for the second overall pick for Thatcher Demko, I think that, I think they would have considered that strongly. Right. Right. Like that's the sort of value that he would have had in June of last year coming off last season. And now there's no way, right? Like now he's just a goalie. He's a goalie who has hit a really high level in the past is young, well-regarded and, and would be seen as upside, but that's like a totally different, you know, that's a totally different level of asset as opposed to, you know, being valued like the American Ilya Sorokin, which you would have been looking at in June. So, so maybe only the third know. overall pick. <laughs> I just think the club has to be very careful. This is, um, you know, Demko needs to get back, uh, and and he needs to get back to form, mm-hmm. and and then you sort of move forward. But you can't sell, I, I in my view anyway, at this stage, uh, considering the value lost really rapidly over the course of the past seven months. I mean, that would be, you know, another one of those really bad over bets. Mm. <laughs> uh, a lot of people were upset that this trade uh, involving Horvat didn't return a young defenseman. Uh, the challenge to make over this defensive group remains high for this management group. How are they going to do it? Yeah, it's not going to be easy, but I mean – this trade may not have directly returned a, a defenseman, but it gave it returned assets that can be used to procure one, right? I mean, that first round pick can be used to select a defenseman or can be used to trade for a defenseman, um, you know, do sort of a, a larger version of like the Devontae's type trade. Um, you know, how do you fix the defense? Get as many draft picks as you can. Be the team ready to go, ready to pounce when the next Marino situation or Taves situation or Graves situation pops up. Um, We've been talking about this for a year, right? Like it's not just that you need to return, you know, the Nils Lindquist style prospect in the deal. There's other routes. There's more indirect routes to getting what you need. Uh, Just like in life, right? Like you don't get paid in AirPod, uh, you know, AirPod pros, you paid it in money for your work and then you buy AirPod Pros, right? Like that's how do the Canucks get their blue line? They're probably going to have to be indirect about it. Cap space, draft capital, 
that's it. Like that's that's the whole ball game. Everything else is um, everything else is sort of window dressing, which is sort of one of the things that makes the trade they made, the Horvat trade, a little bit distinct from some of the other uh, sort of deadline deals we've seen. And this is something that's sort of just been lingering in my mind, so I'm going to flesh it out with you boys. You know, you look at the Giroux package last year, and Giroux had an NMC and controlled his destiny and would only go to one place in, in Florida, which sort of limited or, or tied the Flyers' hands to some extent. And yet when you look at the value, like I'd say the Flyers did better. They got a first Owen Tippett, who was a recent top 10 pick, uh, an additional third. And, um, you know, they sent back another fifth, but they didn't take any money back, right? The Duchesne deal between Columbus and Ottawa, no money went back to Ottawa. The J.P. Pajot deal, uh, first, second, third, no money went back to Ottawa. Like what makes this trade sort of interesting to me is that the value of the deal in terms of what the Canucks returned is very much consistent. Like this isn't a market breaking trade paradigm, right? This is player prospect pick. That's like the, the classic trade deadline formulation, right? Like there's something very conventional about the Horvat return. What, what makes it distinct is that Beauvillier is a expensive non-expiring deal in the flat cap era, right? So like the Canucks are taking back, um, you know, an asset that's like distressed, right? Beauvillier has been quietly available on the market since the summer. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of trade value wrapped up in him. He'll have to rebuild his value significantly. And even if he does, he's still a winger, right? Like he's still a winger. He still plays a position where no one has trade value at the moment. So I sort of look at this and think the primary difference is the money that the Canucks had to take back in the deal, which neuters in some ways the cap benefit of making the Horvat trade, particularly in the short term. Now, as I sort of think about what this means, I sort of have a couple questions and, and things that we'll see. Like one of them is, is this just the cost of doing business in the hard cap world? Like are the blues going to have to take back a non-expiring salary if they want to get the classic trade return for a Ryan O'Reilly or a Vladimir Tarasenko? Like, is this part of it now? Is, is, is the classic trade deadline package conditional now in, in a world with no cap space on teams also helping you out in, in, in exchange for getting a couple of premium sort of um, assets or, or alternatively, you know, did the Canucks just really like this player? And, you know, I, I want to be careful about how I say this, not make a misjudgment, but sort of undervalue the importance of also netting significant short and long-term cap savings in moving off of Bo Horvat. So those are sort of the two lingering questions that I have coming out of this. And that part of it anyway, I think makes this a little bit of a complicated deal to analyze from a Canucks perspective, it, because in some ways it is such a future looking deal in terms of the primary assets received. And yet, you know, I think now when you're looking at the Canucks' books and the amount of money that they've committed to wings and how weirdly built they are, right? Like, it's really hard for me to grapple with the idea that this team would make this trade, take back more money on the wings, money that extends into next year and impinges on their ability to spend this summer, and then still be prioritizing, like, icing a playoff team next year. Like, this deal has to shut firm the possibility of this team turning around quickly enough to be like a playoff contender next season too, 
And I think the logic of that is like built in structurally to the trade they just made. So once again, you know, I'm a little nervous that we're going to end up in a discordant spot where like this team will have extended JT Miller, extended Andre Kuzmenko, traded Bo Horvat for futures, right? And then continue to think short term in other moves, making this sort of just a spectacular one-off as opposed to a sign of a, of a new direction. And if it's that, then I think the move's an awful lot uh, different and should be viewed an awful lot different, even if you like the Ratu and the, and the sort of Islander short position that they've purchased. Drancer, thanks for doing this, bud. Great stuff as always. Enjoy the rest of the week. We'll do this again next Tuesday. Cheers, boys. Bye. Thanks, uh, Thomas Drancer from The Athletic Vancouver here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. You're going to go to break. We're going to come back at 8.30. We haven't mentioned this yet. Uh, Atu Ratu and Anthony Beauvillier are going to meet with the Vancouver media. And whatever media, really, because it's a Zoom call. We're not going to roll live on the audio. Don't worry. If they say anything interesting, you'll hear it right here on Sportsnet 650 throughout the rest of the day. We'll keep an eye on the audio, an ear on the audio, if you will. But we're going to do what we learn as per usual. Coming up on the other side, get yours in. Hashtag them WWL. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. We'll read it on the air. It's your chance to be on the radio. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Get smarter when you listen to Hockey Talk, the Hockey PDO cast with Dmitry Filipovich. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now for my favorite part of the show. Well, that's a... Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. 8.34 on a Tuesday. A big band Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. If you guys only knew what goes on behind the scenes at this show. Well, they kind of did. There was no commercial break. Well, yeah, you got to see me apparently scratch my nostril. That's what we're calling Marcus and Gibson's. There's just so much, like, it's it's this living, breathing organism, the show. There's behind-the-scenes drama. Sometimes not even between the four of us. There's just things going on constantly. It's this delicate balancing act that we somehow manage to produce this scintillating radio day after day, hour after hour, streaming, podcasting, live listeners. Is there anything they can do? Very impressive, isn't it? <laughs> I guess. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Hour three of the program brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We said that we are going to do one what we learned. Greg is allowed to do it. Greg. By the way. Add to the Gregs on the show What were today. we talking about earlier? It was a big Greg show, right? Yeah. Greg Picker from the island, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, Greg Ballack. Yep. And then Greg. Greg Wyshynski again. He's going to go on the Merrick show. Also. And then the best of Health for Broth featuring Greg Wyshynski. Greg Wyshynski. <laughs> we should put all, you should either do <laughs> Wish and Drance because that's all this station's going to have this morning. Or you do the Greg Power Hour. There we go. All Gregs. Anyway. Do I get a segment? It's You got one right now. <laughs> we said we do a brief brief sojourn from the Horvat talk to allow you, because you have some comedic relief. I don't want to build do. it up too much. And it comes at the expense of the Hershey Bears, unfortunately. I don't know if you guys remember a couple years ago when Mikey DiPietro was still in junior. He was called the Grinch. I had no idea. He went on a tour of uh, around Christmas time when the, all these teams like to do the teddy bear toss. Yeah. 
he would shut out the team on the road. Oh, so they would call him the Grinch. I had no idea. The Hershey Bears love to do their teddy bear toss. They are the Bears, after all. Story checks out. They waited to do their teddy bear toss until Sunday, for some reason. Usually it's around Christmas. Right, but, yeah. Uh, it was only a matter of time, Supp- guys. Supply issues, I heard, with the teddy bears. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was bound to happen. They were going to be shut out at home at some point. If, if anyone's seen the pictures from the Hershey Bears teddy bear toss, it's huge. There's mm-hmm. bears everywhere. Well, It's the were... event of the year in Hershey, <laughs> Pennsylvania. <laughs> they were getting shut out with about five seconds left by the Bridgeport Islanders, and the, the fans kind of took matters in their own hands. As the bears come onto the ice here, the whistle goes with five seconds left, and that's going to be the end of the game. That's going to be the end of the game, you'd have to think here. The fans just set it up, and they have come raining down onto the ice. It is sweet, cuddly mayhem in a way that we never expected it here in Chocolate Town. Sweet, cuddly mayhem. And here come the Bears. <laughs> That's all I thought about, the Whitey Whackers. And the best part was the Bridgeport players were egging the fans on. They're saying, come on, bring on, bring and on here the Here come the pretzels. Oh, folks, this is a dark day for baseball. And they were <laughs> shut out 2 nothing. Have you guys ever been to a, uh, uh, a teddy bear toss game? Oh, yeah, the Giants every year. Yeah, yeah. Campbell's so Blazers. Those things are hard to get on the ice from the back rows. I nearly threw my arm out once. <laughs> and then if you're sitting kind of in the middle, you'll get a lot of, like, you You don't just get to throw your bear because there are bears strewn everywhere. So sometimes you can pick them up. And, like, I honestly, the next day, I, like, had to ice my arm because I had thrown my arm out. It's like Brock throwing Purdy. Throwing bears. Hey, there's something. Brock Purdy over here tore his UCL throwing a teddy mm. bear. And someone, like, sacked me, too, which was, like. <laughs> Repeatedly. Yeah. It was kind of weird. When he stood up, someone just was like, bang. Yeah. Yeah. I meant, I meant the football version. Oh, not right, the, that uh, one too. Because right. that's how Brock Purdy got hurt. Do you know what? That is also true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is. By the way, true. he's going to be out for six months, is he? He's going to be out for six months. Uh, I think it's regardless of whether he gets the surgery or not. Because he's trying to get a second opinion on right. it. Because usually what happens is you tear your UCL. It's, probably, it's common in baseball. It's Tommy right. John surgery. Mm-hmm. But not really in football because the throwing motion's so different. Do you think he'll uh, go onto Twitter after he makes his decision and goes, "I was not forced to do this by the San Francisco 49ers. I was not forced to play on Sunday. We had no other quarterbacks. <laughs> I made that choice all on my own. Yeah, I would love to see that actually. Okay, anyway, so that what we learned—that what we learned about the Hershey Bears, the teddy bear toss—that eventually got into Brock Purdy, and then there were allusions to Ilya Mikheyev. Give us a moo cow on that. By the way, just real quick, you remember Bob Hartley when he coached Colorado yes. and their AHL affiliate was in Hershey and he used to skate around on the ice when a guy was playing like crap when he was about to be demoted and he'd be like, I smell uh, chocolate fumes in your future. <laughs> <laughs> Is that just because he couldn't say Hershey? I think he just wanted to be more cryptic about it. Yeah. And the guy's like, oh, that means we're going to the candy store. He's like, no, that means you're going to the American League. Okay, let's go. Uh, Scott, with what we learned, finishing his Canuck career with 420 points, Bo Horvat truly represents the city of Vancouver. That's, you know, that's a Bo weed, Horvat. That's a weed reference. Bo Horvat and a 420 reference is, is uh, not like jiving with me. Like, right. is there is there a guy that Bo's repre- pretty represents? Pretty straight laced. Pretty straight laced. He probably pronounces it marijuana. <laughs> Do you think that Wait, the biggest that you smoketh? <laughs> Do you think the biggest challenge for Bo Horvat in moving to the to New York if he goes there is somehow packing all his golf shirts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You lost my suitcase of polos. <laughs> Whatever will I wear? <laughs> Bo was again, as we talk about the legacy and how it'll be remembered, 
through no fault of his own, he was just a very straight-laced yeah, guy. he was. That's his personality. That, some people are like that. Mm-hmm. Can't all be wacky like Halford and Bruff in the morning. Mm-hmm. Some people are just a little bit more buttoned down. He was a very more... earnest personality. But it also got him to, I think part of like his personality allowed him to get to the heights that he did. He very much struck me as a For guy. For sure. He was yeah. a worker. He was a worker. That's, right? a, that's a great way of putting mm. it. He worked hard. We talked about the improvements that he made. At the NHL level, not many guys get to the NHL and get better at skating. Right. Only a handful of them do it. Not many guys get better and improve as a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. And he did it. And I think it was largely because of the work. Should the Canucks hire Adam Oates? Just like bring him into the system? Like, you are a miracle, I think they got a, miracle worker. I think they got enough coaches. No, right not now. as a coach. Just as like a player development guy. I disagree. Well, I think called a coach. Yeah, no, but coach. not a coach. She doesn't stand behind the bench. Just comes to practices. Well, I think they can hire. I believe you can hire. You know what you're describing is uh, a coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, <laughs> but not that, not a guy that stands behind the bench. Kind of like a guy like this. Maybe like an older guy that kind of shows the players how to do things. You mean like a coach? Yeah, yeah he coaches them into getting better. <laughs> he coaches them to be better, for example. But not a coach. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm still of the mind that they should hire a coach for every player. Yeah, <laughs> they should have twenty three coaches. Hey, many, many of these players have their own like mental coach. Remember, My, Mikey DiPietro had like two yeah. mental coaches at the same time. Yeah, like well, goalies the are Canada a little one, different, and then his own personal. That's a lot of mental. Coaches. All goalies have a, a personal goalie coach. Mental coach we, we just and, and a, oh, yeah. well, some have mental coaches, but all of them have their own goalie coach. We should get a mental coach. coach. For the, t- the show, yeah. collectively. You know what we, we should, should do? Read some more what we Can learned. Can HR sort that out? Uh, unsigned what we learned. This trade will cost Bo. His production is going to go way down in that system. We'll see. We'll I don't know see. about that. Well, I think his production is going to go down just because I think it's naturally going to go down yeah. based on his shooting percentage. <laughs> I think that. I don't think it's the Islanders. I think it's it's impossible to keep shooting 22% anywhere. Are Isles fans going to be expecting too much of this guy? Yes. He's their one C now. Except the skeptics. Right. The skeptics will be like, we knew that this was always going to be a regression to the mean. Um, I'd be curious about how much pressure he's going to feel because in a a way, there's got to be a relief. Like I don't have Mm. to deal with everything that Vancouver threw at me this year. So there'll be the sort of But he kind of will just in the Eastern Conference. No, but like there's there's clearly not as much media attention around the Islanders. Don't like, you think go... he would have preferred to go to a team that was comfortably in a playoff position? Carolina, Boston, yeah, probably. Like comfortably in yeah, a spot yeah, yeah, so yeah. you're not like yeah. that's not hanging over him because he's going to be the guy that's expected to come in, give the Islanders the goal scoring that they so badly need. And climb back into this playoff race, despite the fact that, you know, I think Wish referenced this. And if you go to Money Puck, their playoff odds, the Islanders are at like 12%. They have the most They games. are not likely to make the playoffs. They have the most games played in the NHL right now. Right. That's not going to help them. They're at 52. Uh, here's one from Ross. Hashtag Ross from Friends. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. Uh, for Jacob Markstrom, we didn't get a thing. For Tyler Toffoli, nothing. Good stuff here. We got players in a pick this time around. Uh, I'll say this. I'm excited now because I, I another phrase I overuse is proof of concept, but what the hell, I'll use it here. Proof of concept for this management group delivering on mandates and promises. They set the bar with Mott last year where they said, we do not let UFAs walk for nothing, especially in a year where we're not going to go to the playoffs. He's not going to be our own rental. So Mott got moved. Horvat got moved. I anticipate... There's going to be a lot going on with this major surgery motif and theme here. Like, Shen, take your pick on other guys. There might even be guys that aren't pending UFAs. Like, this, they are ready to take a cleaver to this thing now. They are. 
Well, I think they've been ready to take a cleaver to the team for a while. Maybe not Horvat, but I think they were ready to uh, move the likes. They just couldn't move salary. So is it going to be easier this offseason? Are they going to be able to do it? They've got such a logjam on the wings right now. If they make calls on teams for Besser or Garland, I'm not even talking about the deadline. I'm talking about this offseason. Like they call up teams and say, we're looking to move some wingers. Those teams are going to be like, you're not looking to move wingers. You're desperate to move wingers. And guess what? We're not going to make it easy on you. You know what's really like, it's crazy if you think about it. In the last nine days, you want to talk about executing the cleaver ring? Cleaver ring? I don't mm-hmm. think that works. Cleverage? Cleverage. <laughs> I don't think it's that, but that's that awesome. Um, fire Boudreau, hire Tockett, sign Kuzmenko, shut down Mikheyev, mm-hmm. lose Peterson to waivers, which really isn't a big deal, but it's still a roster spot, and trade Horvat. That's six moves of consequence yeah. in nine days. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm excited. Things are happening. Mm-hmm. Keep it going. Keep, keep going, yeah, yeah. Keep moving. I want keep this moving. high to stay forever. Right? Don't do the all-star break. Is the big name for you now the one to watch? Is it Thatcher Demko? Is that the big name to watch? Uh, like Luke Shen, I, I you know, I, I, I don't consider a, him. Shen to me is a given that he's gone. Yeah. And then I wouldn't be surprised if he resigns in the offseason. I don't think the, the Canucks can afford to waste a potential, you know, even if it's only getting a third round draft pick or whatever. You, you got to make that deal uh, and then hope that Luke Shen resigns in the offseason. And if he doesn't, okay. The only right? holdup. Like you, can, you can deal with that. Um, but for me, I don't really want to get too much into the Luke Chen conversation. No, no, right Demko, now. Demko, Demko. For, for me, it's Demko. What what Drant said about him seeing seeming a little more distant, I think that that might be something to um, kind of give some attention. Now, yeah. some people will be like, "This is the Vancouver media making it like so." He didn't want to talk to them, so you obviously assume that. He wants out or whatever. This is the Vancouver. And it might be that, right? It might, sure. It, it might be that. But when you hear his name out there, you just have to start wondering. It just seemed a little bit off. The only thing The I'll, whole thing has seemed off. I think there's something going on. I don't know what. As we relate it to a, like a relationship where they're like, you've become distant. Like he, like he's leaving you on read receipts right now. So right? I, That's I, it. Like you, you know that he's hearing it. But he's not responding. I That's tw- where I would classify it as. I tweeted this last night. Are the Canucks tanking? Because I know they they didn't really say they were. Well, Rutherford uh, did. Well, <laughs> but you know, not like specifically. Yeah, we're gonna be bad for a while. But you know what I'm saying? Like, but it sure looks like the moves that I they're making they're, would lead them in that direction. I think they're doing a couple of things. First of all, they're doing the deals that they need to do. Yeah, <laughs> they needed to make a decision sure. on Bo Horvat. Um, they shut down Mikheyev because they want him ready for training camp next year. They rightly saw that their chances of making the playoffs were pretty much nil. So let's have this guy get his surgery. And well, that was the plan all along. Him, wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. Well, I think if the Canucks had been in a playoff position, they would have kept. But him, that right? was the moment where they needed to. Make That's a when they made. They, so they made that decision, and they and they rightly made it. Um, I think what they're also doing is trying to experiment with their lineup a little. Give guys more opportunity. See what they've got in a guy like Jack Studnika, right? Give him a run. Um, and, you know, even a guy like Dakota Joshua, can they get more out of someone like mm-hmm. him? I think what's also going to be interesting is when are they going to bring up Ratu? When are they going to bring up Pod Colson? When are they going to bring up Hoaglander? I think we're going to see those guys in the lineup. I agree. He ad- and Patrick uh, Alvin uh, even yeah. suggested there could be some more guys. Linus Carlson. 
Klimovich, could we see him at least get a few NHL games this season? It'd be good for talking to get a look Maybe. at these. It'd be good for talking to get a look at these guys too over an extended period Absolutely. of time because he needs to decide whether or not he's going to ride with them next year. So are on, they tanking? On the, on the are Demko they, thing though? But Sorry. hold on a sec. So to answer Andy's question, are they tanking? No, but I think the decisions that they're going to make looking ahead to next season might weaken their team in theory. Agreed. I think it, it, it plays in nicely. Well, stealth tanking. Then. I know what he's saying. Sure. I, I know what Bruff's saying. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the moves they're making are the ones they think are best for the long-term health of the team, but without actually saying, yeah, we're taking. On Demko, the only thing that gives me pause about saying he's the next big thing to focus on is I, the framework. I don't know if it works for a deadline deal. No, I don't think it works yeah. as a deadline. You know? No. So it's like, okay, that's great. I don't know how big the Canucks deadline is going to be now. I think Luke I'm, Shen I'm will probably excited. get moved, but yeah. I don't know if they're going to be able to move – Besser or Garland at the deadline. Look how look how hard it is to move salary. Like how what teams are going to want to make that deal at the deadline? I wonder like if what's there's what's a, the upside of making those moves at the deadline? New Jersey wants a goal scoring winger. I wonder if you could do it where it's like we kind of have a goal scoring winger. Right. In theory we do. Yeah, and if we make the money work, maybe we can figure it out like we take something back. Yeah. I don't know, but that's something to pay attention to. But I look at it now. And For me, I just think it's more likely the, the major moves are going to continue into the offseason as opposed Agreed. to the trade deadline. Agreed. Like, this is a big, again, I'm really hammering home this surgery analogy, but this is a big incision for sure. Right? This is very invasive, and it's a, it, it not only alters the roster, but it alters the room, the leadership group, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a big first step without question. I'm just kind of, like I said, I'm addicted to surgery now. Give Red me the elective surgery. to my wrist Yeah, give, give me all the elective <laughs> surgeries. I want them all. Uh, Doug in Pomo, what we learned. It's good the Canucks signed Miller and traded Horvat. Miller will be a better player and have better stats in the long term than Horvat. It's Miller time now. Okay. That's Doug take. I think a lot of people will probably disagree with that. Um, but the Canucks, I mean, I hope you're right, Doug. <laughs> Me too, Cause, Doug. Because I the contract hasn't started yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Canucks are. Uh, it seems very unlikely they're they're going to do a complete about face and move JT Miller, or at least try to move JT Miller. I think they should, but I don't think they will. I don't think they will. I think it would be hard. One, obviously, difficult to move, and two, uh, I think that they are in this for better or worse. Even if they do regret it, I think they're in it. And I think that's, again, part of the reason that Taka was brought aboard. Can I, I want to read this, what we learned, by the way. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. Unsigned, so it must be from Gary. Uh, Gretzky is actually pronounced Gretzku. Gretzky. Womp. Oh, I get it. Is actually pronounced. So it. we are all, we all know what's going on here, right? Atu Ratu, his last name is spelled R-A-T-Y, which is Ratty. Mm-hmm. But it's pronounced Ratu. We're going to go with R2-D2 until either one, further notice, cease and desist, whatever, or two, uh, someone comes up with a better nickname. So if you feel like weighing in, 650-650. This isn't a totally uncommon name for some hockey fans. That One of the best... Ratu? Yeah, one of the best female goaltenders of the last 20 years. Oh, Nora. Nora Ratu, spelt exactly the same way. But I thought, yeah, see, I did not know the pronunciation of either, quite frankly. I, I saw her name before. This is a good text, uh, unsigned. The best thing the Canucks could do with Besser and or Garland is trade them for players that on, are on an expiring contract like Lucic in Calgary. Sure. Yes. Yep. 
that would be the type of move that I could see at the deadline. That's a good tactic. If there's a team out there that's in the playoffs or in a playoff position and they've got this like bad contract on the books and it's an expiring contract, they might be willing to take the risk of taking on a Besser or a Garland. And then the Canucks would get the the Canucks wouldn't get much in return, but what they get is this aspiring contract, and they've essentially dumped the salary because the rest of this season doesn't matter to Vancouver. Yeah, I'm. I'm so that's fully possible out that. there. Yeah, that's a definite way that you yeah. can rid yourself. Of I mean, not be an upgrade for Calgary, right? Sure. Yeah. Could you do the same thing with Myers? Do you have to wait till the off season? Myers is a legitimate pickup yeah. at the deadline because the defenseman now, I saw the conversation, one of the shows I was watching yesterday, and it was like, Joel Edmondson. Uh, oh, um, what's his name? Chikrin. And then... Klingberg, uh, maybe. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's thin, so there could be something there as well. Anyway, I got thrown off because we got to have hard outs of the music now. We get yelled at. We get yelled at. We got to go. We will be back tomorrow. Signing off. I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsline 650.